Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Final episode of the week. Looking forward to joining you again on Monday, of course. Before I go, though, I want to ask you a question. We have covered a lot of ground on the program today. Remember, earlier in the program, we spoke with Senator Mike Lee about members of Utah's Army National Guard, who are right now, as we speak, in Washington, D.C., in the nation's capital, doing what they can to protect that city. Uh, and there has been a little bit of a dust-up in the overnight. It was communicated to those members of the Utah Army National Guard. They had to vacate their hotel. They were staying at the Marriott Marquis, downtown Washington, a beautiful place just near Lafayette Park, where much of their efforts were focused in keeping that city safe and clean. Well, the mayor of Washington, D.C., got on the phone, or at least a member of the mayor's staff, got on the phone with the hotel and said, yeah, we're not going to be paying this, so maybe let those troops know it's time for them to vacate. And word was conveyed to the 200 troops from Utah that, yeah, you got to find another place to stay. And that saga, if I'm honest, continues. We are not yet certain where they will end up. There were some uh, whisperings, some thoughts and speculation. They may end up staying at the armory in Washington, D.C. on cots. I've been to the armory. In fact, uh, a few years ago, I ran the... Uh, uh, I ran a marathon in Washington, D.C., and if you run races, you know that sometimes the day before a race, there's something called packet pickup, where you go to pick up the little number that you pin onto your chest or on your belly before you run. Uh, well, that was in this very armory where these National Guard troops may be staying on cots. And while they are robust and uh, battle-ready individuals who have been expertly trained to deal with extreme conditions and circumstances, and under any of those circumstances, they are always ready to complete the mission, they did have a few nights uh, in a pretty nice hotel, and they were uh, accustomed to that. And it was nearby where their mission was to be completed. And to just all of a sudden uh, up and change things on them is unfair. It is not right, and it is uh, using the, the comfort of these National Guard troops, exploiting their comfort uh, for political gain, in my estimation. So uh, that is playing out right now. If you have any thoughts on that, as you have heard the various comments made by Senator Mike Lee, uh, as well as Mayor Bowser of Washington, D.C., including President Trump. He had some strong words. I'll share those with you. Uh, he, to the mayor, said this. He said, uh, as it loads, the incompetent mayor of Washington, D.C., Mayor Bowser, whose budget is totally out of control and is constantly coming back to us for handouts, is now fighting with the National Guard who saved her from great embarrassment. Over the last number of nights, if she doesn't treat these men and women well, then we'll bring in a different group of men and women. I don't exactly understand that last line, but if you have any thoughts on any of the back and forth between any of the individuals involved here, uh, in particular the president or Mike Lee, uh, let me know about it, please. I'd like to hear your thoughts. 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Send me a note. I'd like to hear uh, what you have to say. Some of the other stories we covered on today's program, there was a list of demands 
delivered by the Black Lives Matter Utah chapter as well as the ACLU Utah. It was a list of demands directed at Salt Lake City Mayor Erin Mendenhall. We've talked about her uh, at great length today. And some of those demands are, in my humble opinion, just kidding, it's not humble, in my opinion, uh, pretty outlandish and are pretty ignorant of some of the realities of not only the office of Aaron Mendenhall, but also her positions. Uh, and what I've done is I've posted those demands on my Facebook page. So go check those out, will you? Uh, it's Lee Lonsberry. Uh, you might encounter my personal page, and you're welcome to peruse around there, but I have posted the, these demands to the Lee Lonsberry Facebook page for this program, Live Mike. So uh, type in my name, and then in the upper right corner of the profile, you'll see Live Mike. So you'll know you're in the right place if you see Live Mike. Click there, read those demands, and leave me a comment. Do you think that they're out of line? Do you think that they are uh, appropriate? Would you like to see uh, those same demands come about? Or how about this? Maybe... Uh, some of those demands have already been satisfied. And so why are we uh, demanding them now again of the mayor? I'm not sure. Have a look at that, please. And uh, before I sign off, I want to share with you something I feel is very important uh, for maybe not us today, but certainly our children and grandchildren. And that is the ability to look into the archives and somehow read or absorb via video or image, somehow understand the experience of you and me right now as we go through this coronavirus. On the program, we have talked about a number of instances where uh, organizations, institutions have taken deliberate steps to archive what's happening right now. The Smithsonian, I know, is planning uh, an exhibit for some time in the future, which will include items like hand sanitizer or masks or depictions of classrooms transitioned over to uh, Zoom meetings in lieu of the actual traditional classroom. There are remote workstations being constructed to depict the experience of people like you and me. Uh, you know, I haven't mentioned it in a while, but I continue to broadcast from my guest bedroom. Yeah, it's still, it's still me and the cat running around here and there. You might hear baby Piper still crying in the background from time to time. Yeah, she's here and she's growing. And she's become pretty accustomed to my presence here. I sneak out there on commercial breaks to say hello. And that's all part of the experience that's being uh, captured by some of these organizations, like the Smithsonian, like the University of Utah, which has solicited uh, journal entries and written descriptions of how the coronavirus has impacted their lives. And the most recent to come to my attention is from the uh, Utah Division of State History. They've asked students spanning grades K through 12 to share their experiences living through COVID-19. And I have uh, just about two minutes left of the program today, and I want to share with you uh, the way they are collecting these experiences uh, of these young children. I'm going to start with the youngest participant, age five. Uh, and, and the way it works is the, the, the State Division of History, they distribute questionnaires. And so mom or dad or maybe your teacher is helping you uh, get through this. But they ask a number of questions uh, and the children respond. And so let me just go back and forth, question and answer here, and know that the answers to each of these questions uh, are through the eyes of a five-year-old. First question, how did you feel when you learned that schools would close because of the COVID-19 pandemic? I felt sad, says the five-year-old. Next, what do you like most about online school? The answer from the five-year-old, my teacher made me videos to watch. What do you dislike about online school? I can't see my friends. 
What do you miss about school? Well, my friends at recess. How are you connecting with your school friends during the pandemic? It was a heartbreaking answer. I didn't. Now moving on to a category of extracurricular activities, it was asked of the five-year-old, what activities do you do, did you do before the pandemic? This little five-year-old, hiking, playing with friends, going to the park. And now, how are you able to continue? What do you do now? And the answer was only hiking. What do you miss most about these activities? Seeing people. What do you like most about doing activities online? Nothing. Now questions about family and home. What questions do you have about the pandemic? I don't have any, says the five-year-old. Very self-assured, that's all right. Next question in the family and home category reads, What has changed the most in your home because of the pandemic? And the answer is a touching one. We are all home together all the time. We'll leave it at that. This project being undertaken by the Utah Division of State History is still in its, in, in its developmental form, and soon they will uh, have a product where you can peruse and see the experience of all these young people. It was fascinating to read through some of the samples shared with me by the state. Hopefully you enjoyed that one. I'm going to step aside. Uh, I want to remind you, though, at 3.15 there is a press conference to be hosted by Mayor Mendenhall and Salt Lake City Police Chief Brown. There have been body cam uh, films released stemming from an officer-involved shooting over the weekend. Now, time for Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news here on KSL News Radio.